Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction. It's Thursday, where we talk wrestling, allegedly. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined as always by the artistic ace analyst, Joseph Holbert. Joe, how are you doing today? Well, I'm not here to repeat any bits, <laughs> but for the sake of the program, from this point forward, I am the chubby chief. The um, chubby chief? Yes, the. Alright, you want, you want um, your uh, name changed on the... I don't. Little graphic and here. I would like you to sign off every show by acknowledging me as such, <laughs> even though I assume you'll introduce me that way too. I would like it to be acknowledged. Um, I will repeat it many times throughout the program. <laughs> Get used to it. I am now the chubby chief. I typed, I typed the chief chubby. <laughs> also works. As long as you acknowledge me as some kind of chief, I am fine with that. All right. The chubby chief. For... Yeah. For a brief moment, you were the Chief Chubby. <laughs> that would be like a, you know, also known as deal on the Wikipedia. Yeah. When they, when they make all the documentary and stuff, it would be like a, a trivia question. Do we have, we need our own Reddit subform, right? People have that stuff. Yeah, I sense we're a few, <laughs> I sense we're a few league tables away from that one, but we can, we can do that, yes. Come on. I feel I like that's our mentions now, though, right? Which yeah. is like the 10 people that are like, hey, good show. We got a <laughs> hashtag. Nice. We're hashtag right there. Use it. Hashtag yeah, even the distraction. That, that's been like stolen too, right? So, you know, it's tough. We're climbing uphill here, folks. We're I mean, fine. everybody steals this. everything from us. That's just what yes. happens. All right, everybody. Let's get into uh, wrestling because that's what you're here for, I think. Um, we put five minutes on the clock. Remember, I was – we're just already off topic. I was going through the DMs last night to uh, – find the one-year anniversary of when I first messaged you, and I'll post this on the one-year anniversary, but it legitimately says five minutes, keep it short, get in, get out, and we completely botched that within, like, two weeks. Yeah, because the, I think we spoke about this on the show of Andrew, right, but the concept was that it was going to be, like, literally, like, um, you know, Stephen A. Skip-level hot yeah. takery was the idea. And then what happened was we started talking about Taylor Swift or something. I don't know where we got lost <laughs> along the way. We now don't talk about wrestling, which is an, is an interesting development. I'm not sure if people like it or not. Luckily, they never saw the original idea for the show, so they don't know. 
I don't know which they prefer. We'll never let them see it, I guess. I don't know. No, we are, remember? Um, the the year-end show is going to be True. what the original idea for this show was going to be. So get ready, everybody. If you if you don't quite understand what we're talking about, go listen to the uh, Ready to Rumble review where we made Andrew Thompson of Post Wrestling very uncomfortable <laughs> with <laughs> the content there. What a what a yes. show that was! I got great we, reviews. No one knew any, you guys existed. Yes, you were the star there. We we were just in the corners. Right? But today we have a callback to that, and I must say I have a hot take. On, oh wow! Uh, the the Reddit Rumble follow up, which we'll get to in about two hours once we get through the latest Taylor Swift work. <laughs> but until then, we were also going to talk about wrestling. So let's do that. All right, let's get into wrestling. Clash of Champions was on Sunday, the main event. Roman Reigns successfully defended the Universal title against Jay Uso. Jimmy Uso, according to uh, Corey Graves. Jimmy Uso did make an appearance and threw in the towel for his brother. Joseph, you love this match. I really enjoyed this match, but th- this is artistically analyzed, this match for me. Wow, this is going to be divisive, right, this match. It's very dialogue heavy. It is very theatrical. It's very dramatic. And it is, talking about like stylistically, almost everything I generally dislike in wrestling. With that being said, this is probably my favourite wrestling match. Uh, It's definitely my favourite match since we started doing this show. And we've been doing this show, I believe, for 41 years. So that would make this one of the all-time favourite matches. This, to me, is a classic, Jeremy. And and here's the thing, and I'll, I'll explain why the stylistic choice has actually enhanced the match for me rather than hurting it. Um... Firstly, I'm invested, right? Let's be clear. This match is almost made for me. I'm like the biggest Usos fan you'll find. I'm all into the whole dynamic. But more than that, it's the circumstances. We're in an empty building, okay? I hate to break it to everyone, but them Skype screens are not real fans. <laughs> they are not reacting in real time. There is no heat you can get. I remember seeing... They are reacting in real time. Come on, stop. They're not. They're they, like just pulling faces. It's ridiculous. They can't even see anything. Just don't do it. It's, it's terrible. Have you been Twitter inside friends. the Thunderdome, Joseph? Oh, it's going to be like Bubba Ray and ECW. You can like shout at fans and stuff. Yeah, of course. Anyway, I'm not getting into that. Anyway, back to this match. So you have no fans, which allows you to do the dialogue stuff without it seeming overly contrived. But most importantly, not only do I believe these characters, but the dialogue was part of the story they were telling. It wasn't a case of guys breaking away from the match. The idea was we were getting an almost uncomfortable look at a family fight, or as Roman put it, family business, right? And rather than being a professional and just wrestling his cousin, Roman decided to make us feel as uncomfortable as possible and, like, make a show of how much he's beating up his cousin. Right, that was the idea. He was so in his comfort zone that he brought us in. That's why he was looking directly at the camera, pointing Jay at the camera, all that good stuff. I just thought this was a masterpiece. I really did. I, all of these guys, they're so authentic. I believe all of them. And Jimmy, his little cameo there, I thought was was incredible. Like he, he was so great capturing the emotion. Um, going into this, I wanted a match that I'd be able to point to in 10, 15 years and say that's how good the Usos were as individual wrestlers. Obviously, I know I'm like pairing them just by saying it that way, right? But th- that's what I'm getting at. I got that and 10 times more. It was much more than I thought it would be, and it's a match I will genuinely remember forever. One of my favorite matches. I love this match because there was the actual, like, there was a fantastic story going into it. And there was actual emotion and investment into this as well. 
Mm-hmm. There's a million matches where they do cool moves, and it's a great straight wrestling match. Or whatever I've said it many times, and, and you've pointed you pointed this out as well on Twitter. Like my favorite Hell in a Cell match, maybe not of all time, but certainly like in recent recent memory, is Usos against New Day because mm-hmm. that feud was so great. Uh, just the emotion that went into it was, was fantastic. It felt like a real Hell in a Cell match, and not just it's our monthly or it's our annual Hell in a Cell pay-per-view like it felt like there was a reason behind that i know a lot of people you mentioned that it was a divisive match because a lot of people just don't always like the uh the talking during matches and stuff like we don't like it during gargano and champa and things like that it's a little over dramatic there this never felt over dramatic to that level we didn't have jay staring at his hands being like What's going on? Why is he doing this to me? And stuff. Like, this felt like a real conflict between these two men with real emotion and reasoning of why this stuff was happening compared to something like Randy Orton and Edge where they're just walking around the Performance Center hitting each other with stuff the entire time. Right. So this this where it gets interesting is, like, they definitely would go in with, like, a film fight scene approach at times. Like, it's very Rocky Four, right? The ending where he's, like, holding poor Jay in his hands. Yeah. Jimmy is, like, over it. And, you know, it was definitely theatrical, but I think the key that separates it from a Gargano Champa is that those matches are done as though there is no camera. Like, you know the match, the final heartbeat thing that they did that we reviewed 19 years ago? That, they did that spot where they, like, held hands. Remember that? Yeah. And it, the idea was, like, this is no one is seeing this. They're just fighting for the sake, for the sake of a fight. Like, it's, it's... At that point, you're becoming very theatrical to an extent that I can't kind of get into. Not only is this better because they're better at it, to be quite frank, I believe them far more, which I don't think is a knock on the other guys. It's more a praise of them. Um, but I just think it is important, you know, in fear of repeating myself, I think it is important that we were like a character here. It was made very clear to us that Roman wanted him to be acknowledged wanted them to acknowledge him because this is what it was, right? He challenged him on the grandest stage. How dare he challenge him as the head of the table? Do they sometimes beat points into the ground? Yeah, they do. I, you know, I'm not going to... If that was too much for you, that's fine. I get why it's divisive. But for me, as someone who's invested in the story, uh, it was sublime. And the, the one thing I did want to say, you mentioned Hell in the Cell. It's time... I'm not saying they're underrated or anything like that, but it's time to, like, get what the Usos are. Like, this is an all-time team. Like, I I almost am at a point where I think it's disrespectful to just be like, yeah, they're like one of the best WWE teams. Like, I think if you've not got them in the top three, I think it's time for us to have a fist fight. That's what I'm saying. Okay, this is time to accept that Usos are all-time special. And this was like a little glance at what they both could be individually because they're just great pro wrestlers. It's a very special act. The Usos are always going to be knocked because just WWE doesn't care about this division. Right. And... That that is unfortunate because mm-hmm. not only are they great wrestlers, they are great storytellers as well. And we saw Characters, that in this feud. Yep. Again, the the New Day stuff is some of my favorite stuff WWE's like ever done with their tag division. So I'm with you. Okay. Where do you think this goes now? Because like Romans beat Jay, Jimmy's there. I don't know when Jimmy's going to actually be cleared to return. It doesn't seem like that's anytime soon. We know WWE is bad at ending storylines and we'll get to get to that in a second like do they just kind of keep running with this i mean i don't think they can but they they might it seems like they want to do him and bray sooner rather than later which 
I hate to say, I mean, I have a lot of faith in Roman as a performer, and I think the heel stuff is great already. But that is a little bit of an emergency one to me, where it's like, that could go terribly wrong. You know, like, I don't want Roman selling for the clown hammer and all that good stuff. But <laughs> Alexa staring at Roman, um, was that last week, Jeremy? Yeah, that was last Friday. Um, that is either like a, something that they're hinting at for way down the line, or it's something we're getting ahead of ourselves. So then you have to ask yourself, what would you rather it be? <laughs> because I would rather not have six months of like, you know, teasing a Roman Reigns Bray Wyatt match. So I'm kind of cool with that. So what, Reigns, and, for Reigns that. and Bray. I thought we were building to Alexa and Roman. Right. Good point. I mean, I would rather. I'd be more interested in that as the WrestleMania. Right. It just feels to me we're going to go ahead and sell Fiend and Reigns, and how you deal with that physically, like who's on offense, who's. I don't know. That's for them. That's for their bridge to cross, right? But I will say that Alexa and Heyman is like kind of fun, right? That could be a fun dynamic because I assume Alexa will be with Bray sooner rather than later. So there's something, I guess. Either way, Roman's heel champ is already the best thing in the whole promotion by like ten miles, right? Yeah, so it's... I'm, I'm positive. Yeah, I'm optimistic. They have these pieces here to to put into place. The problem is like these pieces have been chewed up so much that they don't fit the way you would hope they would fit. Like the, they did so much damage with, with Bray last year and then even earlier this year and even the, the Braun Strowman stuff and they've changed course with Ro and it's great. Don't, don't get me wrong. This Roman direction is fantastic, but they changed course so much with him with this new character that it's like Bray and Roman don't actually fit together. Mm-hmm right now like there's Strowman who is just I guess out of the picture now like I actually think Strowman works better as a challenger for for Roman right now than Bray does it's very hard because you're whatever you do you're kind of muddy in the waters right because what's interesting about the Roman Reigns character is that there was a great moment in the match where Heyman almost tried to save Jey Uso and he was like you are my tribal you know he did the big speech yeah Roman was like I have no interest in anything you say, Paul. So please stop. <laughs> to which I say very mean, but I understand it. I've heard the podcast. But nonetheless, um, that makes Roman like the furthest on the hill radar as you can be in WWE. Like he's more evil than Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is scared of Roman Reigns. He doesn't know what he's capable of. He just nearly killed his cousin on pay-per-view. It's like this guy's far. But then it's like, okay, sure... But, like, is Bray Wyatt or Braun Strowman, are they really the baby faces to, like, right. highlight that? Like, it's just... Because I don't care what anyone says, man. The Bray character is a heel character. Like, he's literally possessed a female baby face. He's a heel. I refuse any you know, kind of insight otherwise. So, I don't know what they do. I guess this is where the draft could be useful, right? If they can get some baby... I mean, they haven't really got any. But <laughs> if you could get... Even if it's a Keith Lee, I know people are going to roll their eyes because Keith Lee, they don't want him to lose so quick. But, like... Just a, a clean baby face who hasn't been beaten to the ground just so we can continue as we're going. Because guys like Bray and Braun, it, it gets a lot tougher to set up, I think. I mean, this is where you have Big E, who wasn't on television last week, wasn't on the pay-per-view. You have Kofi. I don't know when Kofi's supposed to be back. They said six weeks, and that was 12 weeks ago. So Kofi should be back wow. at any point. I don't know if Kofi like has a legitimate injury, is the thing. I, mm-hmm. I almost think that his injury was just take time off, cool or heat up Biggie for a singles run, which they've done nothing with. Uh, mm-hmm. He had the good match against Sheamus, and that's like it. But, like, Kofi would be the perfect babyface 
in that spot to to highlight Roman Reigns more. And you know, if they can do that, great. If they can do Big E, great. I'm with you that like Braun isn't the baby face to do that. Bray not the baby face to do it. Jeff Hardy maybe over on Raw like Keith Lee, you you said him. I'm I'm really struggling to think of another like pure baby face where you can get invested in and be like, yeah, this is a good choice here. I mean, they're not moving Drew over, so like that's out. But I mean, one name who they've really failed to capitalize on, who I think isn't a pure baby face, but because of what his character is, could work is Kevin Owens. Yeah, I would love to see Kevin Owens get moved and get like featured again because, qu- quite frankly, the current stuff he's doing about Mr. Black is like a waste of both men, but a colossal waste of Owens. Right, like, it's it's so prelim to me, and he's better than that. So that could work. Right, there's options. They're just not particularly like exciting ones because of where guys are on the card, I guess. Yeah. Uh, anything else from from Clash of Champions to discuss? Well, the ladder match, right? I mean, the, the the triple threat ladder match was as advertised. I mean, what was interesting about it was we spoke last week about will it be more story, character, or stunt? And interesting enough, they had enough time to do both, didn't they? Really, like Sammy really did great character stuff, as I hoped, including the Jeff Hardy. <laughs> Jeff is insane. I don't even know that. Sammy that Jeff that man is nuts. Absolutely nuts. I was, you know, my takeaway was I was watching it and I was like. Jeff would do this regardless, right? Like, he'd be doing this somewhere. It's a good thing he's doing it in WWE and getting paid well, I guess, right? Like, is that the only take to have for Jeff? Like, he is what he is. Um, but I thought it was neat that they had enough time to have, like, cool character moments, some some images and visuals I'll remember forever. But also, they did the insane stunt stuff that they are all far too old and smart to be doing. Like, good lord, guys. You know, at some point, it's not the... But that's what they're going to do. So, great match. I mean, I was seeing takes that, like, it was the best. People think it's one of the all-time ladder matches, and I am, frankly, am not educated enough on them to tell you if it is, because they all run together for me. But I sense this one, I will actually remember. So I guess on default alone, this is one of the better ladder matches, right? What are we thinking here, Jeremy? And all-time people, ladder match? People ask me if this was, like, the best Jeff Hardy match, singles match, that I'd ever seen. Like, I don't recall enough Jeff Hardy singles matches to remember. Like, on his own. Remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not tag team. I mean, this was obviously a triple threat match, but just not tag team. Uh, Like, the Undertaker ladder match was great. I feel like some of the Punk stuff was good. um, But, like, I don't remember that many Jeff Hardy singles matches to where I can be Mm -hmm. like, yeah, this was definitively better. So I just assumed this was definitively better (laughs) than all of that stuff. Uh, It's AJ's best match in a while. I feel like it's Sammy's... Like it's got to be Sammy's best, some of his best stuff outside of like working with Owens, right? Yeah, I mean, it is, but like it's the equivalent of saying it's the guy's best game after they haven't played for a couple of years. Like even right. when Sammy was wrestling, it was like he was wrestling like he was Bobby Heenan. You know, like it's, it's very. I get you. Know, right, the, like this is the thing though is like a lot of this stuff does run together to where I don't, and, and there's just so many like okay that was really good, but like was it great? Like, this was a defend, like a great ladder match, a great yeah. performance by all three men. So that's why it stands out. And I'll remember it compared to... Dude, they've had 500 empty arena ladder matches. Remember, this is my complaint last week. Is like, I'm tired of empty arena ladder matches. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still tired of them. At least this one was very good. Um, this was probably the best one they've done in the empty arena. I I don't recall the other ones. There was the Mania one. There was AEW did one. NXT's done like three 
I feel like um, it's the best one. Yeah, so, it, it's uh, the best yeah. one. But stop okay. doing them, Christ. A couple of questions: Is this? You said it was AJ's best match in a while. Is this better than the match he had with Daniel Bryan that went twelve ad breaks? I never saw which, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I was on vacation that week, I and I never this. went back to watch it. It was long, so I get it, but. Okay, I'll, I'll pivot off that because I had a hot take on Twitter that got me in trouble. I'm going back to our last topic. It Was that Roman Reigns' best match? I I was asked about that as well. And the only one that I'm like, all right, this was this is up there with it, was the AJ match from Extreme Rules. Right. And, and this is no knock on Roman. Like, Roman's had a lot of very good matches. Like, the Brock matches are good. I think the Braun matches are underrated. Um, mm-hmm. But... Yeah, this one, this one I'll certainly remember more than anything else I can think of. Everyone was saying to me the AJ match, and I I need to rewatch it. I think you're probably right, but I think the reason I look at it differently is I very much frame that as like the AJ Styles match because to me that's when he like convinced WWE that he was like the guy. You know, right. and it was okay. So I look at it a certain way. And I haven't watched it in a long time, so it might be wrong, but I feel like Roman is just so much better now than he was then. Like, even though he was good then, very good. I mean, I like the original Brock match, but then you have the Seth Cash-in, which just naturally steals it of, like, a a, a climax within those, that match, right? So, I think it's up there, definitely. Uh, Clash of Champions. Anything else, Jeremy, Clash of Champions? Am I missing something? Was you excited when Asuka answered the call? <laughs> she never answers any calls for Bailey, right? That was fun. That was so dumb, just having Asuka... Yeah. I'm out there. Like you couldn't do anybody else and just have Bailey beat that person. Like Bailey's beating everybody anyway, so somebody can take a sacrifice uh loss here. Like you didn't have to do Asuka and then do a DQ. It was all a vehicle just to do the Sasha Banks stuff. So just I get do it. That. Yeah. Just do the angle. That's my right. thing. I was like I mean, I get it from the perspective of like there's a level of female you were going to beat in that spot that would have meant nothing anyway. So like I do get it. Like Obviously, we know that Dana went on to do the stuff on Raw, but if Dana had walked out, what would we have all reacted like, right? It would have been like, oh, it wouldn't have been a big reaction. Oh, my God, it's Dana Brooke. So I understand it. Um, it just felt very, it was like, oh, my God, I put on the same episode of a TV should've, show. You know? Should have done uh, Peyton Royce and then put the title on Peyton Royce. That's what Michael Thompson True. was pushing for. We would have had to go back on it immediately <laughs> for that. He's like, I called it. Number one, number one draft pick. Okay, that's... What else was on the show? Help me here. You're right, oh, though, that you... with uh, that, like, they should have just done Sasha's music plays, Bailey gets freaked out, Sasha attacks her from behind, and just, that's that. Yes. This is very unprofessional, Jeremy. Do we have a lot of wrestling topics left? Because I would like to do some Bailey uh, legit boss talk. We've got the two topics you want to, the callbacks <laughs> to February. We're back in okay. February with our bits today. I'm breaking format. My, one of the topics will be covered now in the next 10 seconds. Bobby Roode is back and had a really good match on Raw. Check it out. Anyway, back to the legit boss and Bailey. I wanted to talk about this. I forgot. Is this story... I'm like, putting five actually... minutes on you for this. Okay. okay. Like a fine. Like a fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Is this story actually good? Or is the idea of the match good? I have been discussing this privately with pretty big fans of parties involved that would never dare say this publicly because it's very scary times on the Twitter. But, like, is this stuff, like, actually good? Or is it now just sort of like, okay, it's, it's kind of fallen into pattern almost? I don't know. I think it was good, and then it dragged because 
I'm, I'm assuming fans, I'm assuming their plan was SummerSlam, and that just got ruined because they didn't have fans. Um, but it dragged past that. And, I mean, it didn't drag too long past SummerSlam, but the turn would have happened a month, month and a half earlier. Anyway, uh, it was good, it dragged, and now it's gotten kind of stupid and just... But this is their presentation, though. Like, this is this is their presentation. She she literally gets her a chair snapped on her neck, like, stomped down on her neck, and then she's just back two weeks later... I mean, she's she's clearly hurting. She had a neck brace. She's grabbing at a Joe. I don't know if you noticed that. That's very very great storytelling there. Very great selling. She was she kept grabbing at it to let you know. Oh, this this hurts right here. This hurts. But she was still moving and acting and performing like a normal person who had no actual neck issues. And then it looks like they're gonna do Hell in a Cell, which is fine. I understand that. You can't complain that like why aren't they holding this off when they've been holding this off for like five right, years yeah. now? Um, but they they could do more out of it if they actually looked into it more long-term of this. I I think it's okay. And then the match is kind of the big selling point right now. I, I definitely don't think it's bad. And it's, it's a case of like, you know, for some people, not being bad makes it good because they're into it. Same as me with the Usos deal. Like, I'm not saying it's terrible. I... My take is, for the sake of the story, and most importantly the character, the legit boss, uh, Sasha Banks, I think it is important that she loses a hell in a cell. Wait, do not block me, I have a take. Then I would do it the Survivor Series, Team Banks versus Team Bailey. Why, Joe? Well, very simple. While Banks tries to put her team together, you could really shine a light on her character actually having to change. Her realising that she was blinded by her friendship with Bailey, that she acted like an idiot, she was mean, she was a bully, and righting her wrongs to form a Survivor Series team, which then steadies her ship, sets her up to face Bailey in a TLC match in December and winning the title. And then you can do a trilogy if you want at the Rumble. Um, I personally don't have any interest, this is just me, in doing the deal of splitting them in the draft at this point. I know we spoke about this recently. And then having her win the Rumble and all that stuff. Because then, to me, it's like another six months of Bailey title defences. We all know the result of almost. Right? Does that make sense? It's like you're just delaying constantly. So, But I think the key for me, as someone who's not invested just on the idea of watching these two wrestle, the key for me is, can we establish that Banks realises she needs to change as a person? Because she was a t- an awful human as a heel, right? And that was why it worked. We need to get sympathy on her in a way that works without making her anything any less of a badass, basically. And I'm interested if they'll do that or they just say, she's a babyface now, deal with it. That'll be my big thing. They're they're gonna do the latter. It's just she's gonna be she's gonna yeah. be Sasha Banks, the boss. Legit boss. Yeah, but she's a babyface because Bailey turned on her. I, I don't I have no faith that they can write a character like that. Like they do it with Reigns and, and Reigns has the cachet to do it. I, Banks should. I just don't think they're gonna actually do it, and I don't know how much I don't know how much uh, pull Banks kind of has with that kind of stuff. Um, she might be pitching it, but WWE is gonna be like, no. And I I just don't have faith they're gonna do anything like that, Joe. I get you. I just I, I for me as someone who thinks that she's a great wrestler, but I was always struggled with the character as a babyface. 
that issue that issue would be times by like a hundred if they did it that way. Does that make sense? Like I just I would love for them to kind of actually develop a character because by the way this isn't a Banksman. They did the exact same thing with Alexa Bliss, right? Whereas like she's a babyface now. She smiles. Don't you see that she's, she's friends smiling with Nikki. now? But that, that's the thing, they could have... This is the worst part, is in that case, they had it, like, lobbed to them. Because the whole Nikki thing allowed them to actually tell a story they didn't want to tell. So, I am concerned, because my concern is that she'll win the bell, and then it'll be like, oh, but Banks as a baby face is nothing, because we have never given it a chance to be anything. You know, and that's... I could just see it being one of those title reigns where after, like, two months, you know, the sort of... The uh, Wrestle Talk accounts... Not the actual Wrestle Talk, like, just the, you know, at WrestleChatter.com. They'll be like... <laughs> Anyone not filling the Banks title reign and people are like, yeah, it's bland, bad promo. It'll all start again. I don't want that. I would like it to be good this time and she could defend it a few times. So I would like the character to change. That's all, Jeremy. I'm probably in lots of trouble for this take. Is Wrestle Chatter, can, can you get that uh, Twitter account? I feel like that would be a good account. Is there an account called out. Wrestle Chatter? I'm going to find out live right okay. now on there. Did I say Wrestle Chatter? Yeah, yeah, Wrestle oh, Chatter. No. Um, abandon this bit. <laughs> Yes, I can. I can get Wrestle Chatter. All right. Um, no, I cannot. There is a Wrestle Chat. This was not aimed at you, Wrestle Chat. I don't know who you are. Uh, Everyone knows what I mean, right? It'll be like their picture right now will be like, I don't know, Moxley or someone on the PWI cover. <laughs> they yeah. have like 50,000 followers. I don't know how. I, I'm just let's, trying. That's all I'm saying. Let's create this account. After this show, uh, I'm going to create the Wrestle. If, if I can't get Chatter with ER, I'll just do A, because since yeah. that's kind of the British term for it yeah. i guess i don't that's know chatter cool too, right? yeah yeah that's like down with the kids too that's that'd be really good <laughs> i like it i like what we're cooking here we have other wrestling topics don't we i'm sorry i've taken the show off the rails yeah you want to talk banks and bailey i'm sick of talking about banks well, and bailey you do smackdown though you have to talk about these things i know that's why i'm sick of talking about Bang. the problem is is like i like smackdown it's actually a good show yeah. the, most of the time but then I do the post show on Fridays. I come on here. I, I, I pass the ball to you. Let you go to work because uh, everyone's heard my opinions on this stuff. And then Raw sucks, so I don't even want to talk about Raw. And NXT is banned. AEW's fine. Like it's, it's a good show, uh, but the the best stuff is on SmackDown uh, for mm-hmm. WWE wise. And I've already talked about that stuff. Did you enjoy the? Um... Can we give credit to the WWE makeup team that gets nothing but dunked on for managing to repair Alexa Bliss's hair in a way that it would look insane after like eight minutes of a rest hold for ACL? <laughs> Can we give them credit? I don't know if you did or didn't, but that was pretty cool, I thought. I must say. Uh, your your guy Bobby Roode returned on Raw. Yeah, good match. Go ahead. All right, that's it. That's all I've got. All right. I, 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 it was spoiled for me. No one was talking about it. It was a triumphant moment that everyone ruined. And why no, why was it ruined, Joseph? Why was well, it ruined? Well, there was a, a lot of Twitter controversy I woke to, and I saw nothing about Bob Roode. And then I just got, like, one spoiler. I was like, oh. So I don't even get the, the excitement of it, right? I get no praise nor excitement. No one managed, felt the need to point out that that was legitimately Bobby Roode's first match in six months. Yes. Just an excellent WCW Saturday Night main event. <laughs> Terrific match. I loved it. Bobby and Dolph are a legit good team. Put the belts on them, please. That's all. I, they should. They should at least be a tag team. They'll be a tag team for three months. They'll win the belts. They'll fight. They'll, they'll split up. And Bobby Roode... This is, this is the Banks-Dolph pro... Or Banks-Dolph. Bailey-Banks program. Do it the 
whole thing over again, but do it with Rude and Ziggler. I'm talking the title wins as well. If you want to do Intercontinental wow. U.S. title instead of World title, that's fine. But Count. do the whole yes, I agree. Do the whole Banks Bailey program with Rude and Ziggler. That's my so pitch. What is this point? I guess Rude's absence is the same as the one that Banks had last year. Not not in reason. I'm just saying, like in the timeline. Right. Was that right? Because they had a tag title reign before that, like Banks and Bay. This is very strong. We are working. <laughs> this is this is a whole other TW series in itself. <laughs> but yes, that sounds good. James Storm was going to come back. Scoop. I Who saw that coming. I don't know how much I believe that. <laughs> hey, look, I don't know. All I know is. If I had tweeted an hour before that story broke, who would feel, how did everyone feel about James Storm coming back? Every WWE fan would be like, the worst idea ever, please like your account. <laughs> and then it came out and people were like, well, sorry about our damn luck. I don't know. It was fun. I, I like James Storm. I hope he, he gets that, that money for doing God only knows what on Monday Night Raw. But yes, moving on. Anything else on Raw? Did you like Randy Orton? Uh, uh, goggle Vision, Night Vision, Randy Orton? beating up people. Michael Cole did not know what was going on in this segment. It wasn't Michael Cole, was it? Oh, was it? whoever, the Vic Joseph? Whatever the Raw announcer is, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow, this is disrespectful. Wasn't it Tom? Was it Tom? Sure. I don't I, know these announcers. If it ain't Samoa Joe, I'm not paying attention to true. the person. The bit itself wasn't even the funniest part. It was Randy disguising himself yeah. after he left and going, like, doing the point <laughs> thing. Oh, it was terrible, wasn't it? I mean, I can't... All of it's terrible. Though. I mean, we haven't even done the Seth Ray stuff. But it's oh, like, my God. Like, I watched that, and I legit didn't know like, what it was, who it was for. Like, I had no... So, I'm, we're going to get into this now, because I want to do it. So, I messaged you this on Tuesday morning, and I was like, is the angle that he's grooming her? Like, yeah, I think so. It... But, like, is it? Because I don't not, I, no, that's not their intention, obviously. Uh, I hope not, anyway. Just your, just your interpretation. Yeah. Right? But, but the angle is just like a 32-year-old likes a 19-year-old, which it's... Right, but he's like... Okay, this is... Wait, who's grooming who? Is Seth grooming Aaliyah? By no, using Buddy? It, it isn't grooming, because I think the idea is that Buddy, like, legit... Yeah, Buddy legitimately just, like, likes her. He hasn't got an age, the Buddy Murphy character. This is the thing, this right. is the vow that they'll use. Is right. like, she constantly says she's 19 so that Bruce is insure and we know she's an adult. <laughs> and they never mention Buddy's age. Buddy, Buddy's like 20, 25, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's supposed to just be wholesome, I think. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He, it's never anyone's place to tell others what they should be comfortable or uncomfortable with. So I'm not going to do that. What I will say is, there's a way of doing this that didn't include screenshots of DMs and texts. And, like, it would have been easy to do it that way. Bold move choosing that way. I'm not saying it offends me. I'm just saying I get why people are like, really, guys? Like, this is what we're going to do here? Especially when no one's asked for it. No one wants more of Seth, Dominic. Just do Seth and Buddy. Can we please move on with this? this Can we please they move don't, on? This, so this is the thing. They don't know how to end feuds. Like, this yes. Rollins and Mysterio feud has been going on for months and months. Street Profits, and I don't know what they're doing now. Who, who, they, who are they facing? I don't know. Uh, Garza and Andrade stuff. I guess they just, like, dro- well, Garza got hurt, unfortunately. Um, mm. But but Andrade is now, he's probably just going to be, like, nobody. Asuka and Zelina, it's like, all right, you beat her at the pay-per-view, do a rematch on Raw, beat her again. 
We'll probably do another rematch on Raw next right. week. Like, Raw yeah. next week is going to feel... I think even SmackDown tomorrow night might feel this way, too. Because the draft is next Friday. So you have two shows. You have a SmackDown and a Raw before the draft. I don't think they're going to do much on these shows. It's just going to be more rematch shit. Because it's like, oh, don't worry. The draft is coming next week. We'll shake things up. And then that yeah. that's when we'll start new programs. Like, this is their way to start new programs. It's just do a draft because they can't actually end programs despite Honestly, man, i'm not complaining at this point right i'm no, sure you're the same fine, i'm so ready for a draft <laughs> it's it's still just like just in like even orton and mcintyre like why is this feud continuing right well that's interesting because it's like the idea i assumed was that that was kind of the sort of um the fairy tale ending of like all of Randy's sins catching up to him. I thought he'd go away for a little bit. What actually it was was we're not ready to put the belt on Randy, but we want to get another match out of this, so we need to have, give him an out. And I was like, man, that's that feels like the end of the angle to me. You know, like, I, I don't know. I actually liked the ambulance match. I sense I'm kind of in the minority. I don't know. I thought it was fun, but it is an issue. Things just go on forever. Now, what will be interesting with the draft? Jeremy, is that this is actually called the, like a draft, right? It isn't the shake-up deal again. Yeah, but they so like, they always call it just a draft, even though it's a shake-up. They... No, but they when they initially... Remember when they first did a draft again? Like in 2016? Yeah. When the SmackDown... After that, the idea was that you couldn't like do a full draft, that'd be done, right? <laughs> so you just switch 20 guys <laughs> on each roster. Perfect sense. And now, when they framed it as a draft, I just was left pondering. I agree with you. It probably means nothing. And they probably just don't like the uh, shake-up term again. But if they actually just do a full draft, that would be kind of insane. Right? Like, why would you start fresh every year? I don't know. It's just, I'm throwing it out there. No, I think it's just going to be... A shake-up. Yeah, I think it's just <laughs> a shake-up. But they're just calling it a draft. Okay. I have no That's idea how this stuff works. You know, this is this is where we're needed to be like... All right, you have Raw, you have SmackDown, USA, Fox, whoever, Adam Pierce. I don't know who the general manager of these shows are. Uh, I guess Adam Pierce is just overseeing everything. Adam but, Silver, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, but here's what you do, is if you're going to call it a draft, like why wouldn't USA Network just be like, hey, give us, uh, give us Roman. Like we, we're, we're taking Roman. Like this is where Fox has got to be like, all right, we get five people we can protect. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like a it's like a um, expansion draft almost. Is like you get eight guys, five to eight guys you protect. They can't be drafted, and then the other team, uh, the other brand has five eight picks, whatever. And that's and then they just pick from the brand. Obviously, they can't pick the people who are protected. Like that's the way to do it if you're doing a draft. They're not going to do that. They're just going to be like hit the button on the screen, and then the, all the names flash, all the faces flash. No whammies, and then the Miz go and comes to Raw or some shit. I've got to say, man, I would have, like, a whole universe. But I would have contracts. Oh, yeah. I'd have a trade deadline. I would have... I'd have it on .com how long was left on, like, a guy's contract with a brand. And, like, fans that are in that deep... It's always cool when you give people enough layers, Jeremy, <laughs> that... Like, a hardcore fan could actually get into the idea of their rest of leaving a brand or something. I mean, that would be super inside baseball. But if but you this know is, me, you'd probably believe I would do this. This is what they did in the the SmackDown vs. Raw whatever game. Like, the general manager mode. Yeah. Like, this is what they did. You, you do contracts. You have guys 
you you steal them from the other brand their contract is expiring mm-hmm. okay you make an offer like you can do this in a real sports kind of way that doesn't have to take away from the on-screen product but just right. at least have you make sense of things instead of Dana Brooks on Raw now the draft is mm-hmm. next fucking week we cannot <laughs> wait an entire week Dana Brooks is just on Raw Yes, future draft considerations. I so I so stupid. Like it's because not it, difficult to do this stuff. You could do it as such that the trade deadline was like on. It fell on the raw. So like anyone could come out that night and it would be like while they're coming out, we get the news that they've been traded for this and it. it could be fun. That's all. But I'm with you. Yeah, the Mandy Dana thing is very odd. SmackDown has like four women left standing, right? Like what's happening on SmackDown? Man, Mandy wins this big match against Sonya. And then she's just randomly traded to Raw. They're they're just dropping the whole Otis Mandy stuff. That that's just like that's just done. I mean, sure, it's fine. I, I wasn't like super invested into it anyway, but like this is why people don't get invested though, Joe, is because they just drop everything. They... I get it, but I think I think there's real reservation I don't know this, this is not a scoop, believe it or not. I think there's real reservations about like what Mandy is as a singles wrestler. Like I just do. I mean, it was pretty obvious to me that they could do her and Bailey, especially when with Naomi out, right? And instead, now she appears to be in a tag team with Dana. I'm no expert. I would just suggest that that tells us something. If that makes any, do you know what I'm saying? Like it's it seems like they've kind of taken something from that Sonya feud. And I that play out. I agree with you, but like if you're gonna have Mandy win this big singles match, right? Then just to move her over to Raw. And then just have her be in a tag team with Dana. It's just mm-hmm. like it, it makes things not matter, and, and yeah, that's it like that limits the, issue. the feud's impact when the loser is leaving for a while anyway, for obviously reasons out of control. But like, and then the winner is left as well, just because you haven't got enough. Like, it, it very much means that in a year it feels like that we're going to look back and say, "Oh, I remember they did that feud for ages." It's, it is weird. I agree with you hundred percent. I just. I mean, I don't know if the Dana-Mandy thing is like an actual team, but if it is, that definitely feels like they're telling you they're not ready to, to kind of commit to a Mandy singles run. Wouldn't you agree? I I guess. If that's their explanation, fine. Again, it just makes your television seem like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like just just try something else with Mandy. Like At least do the Bailey match, because at least she's coming off of a victory. Bailey can, I, I think Bailey can get something passable out of her. Um, yeah, no, def- I think it'll be fine. I, I don't know why. And it's not like, there. and it's not like you got to, th- this is the other issue is like, all right, you say do a Bailey and Mandy match. They can't do it just once. Like you, they legitimately could just do one pay-per-view match. That's it. It's like, all right, yes. Mandy has one pay-per-view match. Maybe it's a little rough. Bailey, Bailey does her thing. Fine. Then you move Mandy on to something else. You do the tag team thing. What, whatever. But the, they would have to do this match, like, three times. And then right. you would just see, like, oh, yeah, this this stuff isn't that great. And, like, that's the other issue. It's just, like, you can do these matches just once. You don't have to do Asuka and Zelina five times in a week. You can do it just once, and it'll be okay. Zelina is interesting. I want to go back to that briefly. But the one thing I would say is that... Um, I, that is not my take. Like, I don't think Mandy's ready to be, like, champ. But when you've made me watch 18 months of singles Lacey Evans matches, like, <laughs> I'm fine with watching a month of Mandy Rose ones. Like, I have no problem. Zelina's interesting in that she's, like, actually good. 
And this may be a me thing, I don't know, but I just feel like her physical presence is so much stronger as a manager, and I have no clue why. Like, she's she's a very small woman, but her charisma is such that she kind of, like, when she's next to Andrade, even Gaza, she's the star to me. When she's just another Esther, it's less so, even though I think she's legit good. I don't know. Does that make any sense, Jeremy? Am I alone on this? I'm not sure. I get what you're saying. I think it's probably because that's just the way she's been positioned the whole time. Right. Yeah. Like, if they'd positioned her prior to that, like, as a wrestler, I I think we would see her a little bit differently. But because she's been positioned as a manager the whole time, and she comes off, she does come off as the star uh, next to Andrade and Garza. Mm-hmm. But if she was just a wrestler straight from the jump, we would probably see her differently. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's hard to overcome that because every time she's been used as a wrestler, it's just to get beaten up, right? So right. It's, it is difficult. I agree. They got Bianca Belair. She's uh, <laughs> do you see her yes. uh, running running hurdles, Joe? I don't think she could actually do that with the the hair like that. I don't I don't think that's possible. So I understand what you're going for here, <laughs> but the issue is I have never heard the original bit, so I cannot replicate said bit. But I will say that I have no idea like what they what they're supposed to accomplish. I, I'm just personally. I am so out on the WWE slow build because I don't think it ever works. Like, I would legit rather they do the key fleet. I'm, I'm being honest, serious here. The thing where they come and it's like, we've got to protect them, they're new. So let's just not let them wrestle or have them win pointless matches and do bad vignettes. I would rather they just wrestle top talent and lose in good matches. I really would. You know when Mr. Perfect uh, yes. did shot the basketball, made all those shots and stuff? Yeah. With how sweaty he was... I don't think he could actually do that. Like, if you put him next to Steph Curry, I, Steph Curry's beating him in a shooting contest. Really? Is that your hot take? Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, I agree. I, I appreciate that you continue <laughs> with the, the aforementioned bit. Uh, I will leave it there. I have nothing to add. But I agree that, yes, Steph Curry would beat Mr. Perfect <laughs> Kearney in a shooting contest. I agree, yes. <laughs> this Bianca stuff. <laughs> it's It's bad. I mean, it's it's fine. Like you're getting, you're trying to establish who she is. She has been on Raw since WrestleMania, and the announcers are like, "Can't wait to see what Bianca Belair brings to the table." It's like you've had six months to do something with her to show what she brings to the table, and you're just now just doing these vignettes and stuff. It's she could have had a 20 minute match with Asuka at the pay-per-view and it would have with the modern audience it would have got her as over as what they are those yeah. like I'm sorry <laughs> that's just what the landscape is now like Keith Lee there's issues there with the presentation the fact all those matches had like you know dumb finishes I get that but in terms of just dropping him in and being like here's what you can do I would rather that than him do three minute squash matches until they forget about him Alistair Black being like the prime he's the best example of that right it was like We've got to protect the Alistair Black. We can't just beat Alistair Black. So let's just have him do nothing matches for a year until everyone forgets about him anyway. <laughs> like, it's, it's a real problem because the issue is is they strive for, like, the old-school approach with these vignettes, but the TV is so different now. You know, back when they were airing those Mr. Perfect vignettes, she wasn't getting a show that had six 50-50 matches on it that went 20 minutes, right? Everyone was doing squashes, and it was like people were patient. It's just very different to me, so... I hope it works out for her because I think she's great. I just have no optimism that those vignettes are the sign of the answer, I guess is my point. And it's the thing, like, we know how good she is. We saw her in NXT. Right. This, this is yeah. the other thing of, like, 
they don't there there's the disconnect vince thinks that whatever you saw on nxt doesn't matter i mean look at retribution like they just hey yeah it's strange it's strange so it just doesn't it doesn't matter like the nxt thing whatever you saw on nxt doesn't count doesn't exist who cares and and that's basically what they're telling us with bel-air again it's like hey look how strong she is look how fast she is it's like yeah we know all this stuff like we Mm -hmm. we have social media we watch nxt our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Like, it's it's dumb. Let's move on to AEW. Um, they're celebrating 30 years of Chris Jericho next week. Chris Jericho's big idea for the 30-year celebration is he just wants to do a match with his best friend Luther. Japanese deathmatch legend Luther. I respect the hell out of this move by Chris Jericho. You're wrong. You shouldn't respect it. You should be shaming the Chris for his cowardice. How dare he enter the ring with the original Death Dealer? Japanese deathmatch legend Luther in just an ordinary tag match with rules. That's fair. Do a deathmatch with a man if you want to fight him, okay? Coward. Taking blind shots at him at, the, at ringside. Why don't you do a deathmatch with lights out? That's what I'd say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's do a lights out on the 30th year anniversary. <laughs> Anything less to me. Like, I've already, as a Luther sport, I'm checked out already. Just like, look, man, my guy's got very little chance here, right? It's like putting a kickboxer in a jiu-jitsu contest. This isn't his game. He needs barbed wire. He needs blood. This is Chris is a cow. That's what I'm saying. All right, you've you've convinced me with that. Yeah. I I no longer respect Chris Jericho for for his approach here. <laughs> thirty years down the drain, Luther's been kicking his ass behind the scenes for thirty yes. years. We all know it. Um, yes. And now, yeah, Jericho's like, all right, well, let's just do this tag. He's got Jake Hager, an actual MMA fighter, Jake Hager with him, who will knee yeah. people in the balls with no remorse. And Jericho won't fight his own battle. So I'm with you. Chris Jericho when is you wrong. Said, no respect. When you said that um, he's been beating him up for 30 years, <laughs> all I could think was the idea of Lufa and Jericho doing the exact beat-for-beat range <laughs> Jey Uso match. And instead, Lufa is just saying, acknowledge me as the Japanese deathmatch <laughs> legend. Acknowledge me as the original death dealer. And, like, Jake Hager is Jimmy Uso. <laughs> And he comes hobbling out. No, they don't explain why he's hobbling. He just hobbles out of a towel. <laughs> and this is exactly what I would do now that I think about it. And I think Chris should actually do this match and retire. He should do a match in which he's beaten to a pulp by his best friend <laughs> who simply wants to be acknowledged as the Japanese deathmatch legend. And then Jake Hager should throw the towel in and say, yes, Lufa, you are the Japanese deathmatch legend. Is that what you want? 
if they don't do this, I'm going to be so disappointed. They're just going to do some generic tag team match. And uh, now I want the, the Uso-Roman-Jericho-Luther uh, parallels here. Luther told me uh, that his plan is just to punch Chris Jericho in the face a lot. And I think that's a very good plan. Okay, I've lost it. I'm sorry. <laughs> The, the, yes, dynamite. It was good. I don't know. What do you want me to say, Jeremy? He's gone off the rails. All I'm imagining is Jake Hager limping out and looking for like. Luther's like sitting there, he's like flexing. Japanese death penalty. Just say it. He's turning. To he's pointing, he's going. Like... Okay. Dynamite. Did you think this was a good show, Jeremy? It was fine, right? Was I don't remember fun. any of it now. Okay. So you had. I mean, the highlight for me was the FTR-SCU match. Because that team is very much their pace, right? It fits their style. Uh, it was a good fit. I thought they had a great TV match. Elsewhere, the Butcher was fun. The Butcher is, like, actually enjoyable for me now. Am yeah. I, is this is this a consensus take? Am I allowed to say this? Yeah, the Butcher had a good match with John Moxley. Eddie Kingston was a bully to Bryce Remsburg, which yes. was a really... I'd imagine a very surreal scene. By the way, I love that Bryce was like... Couldn't you just, like called me during the week like, why are you doing this on television <laughs> I was like yes There's a lot. finally someone said that on a wrestling show why have you waited a week to pull me out here on television to confront me about my decision so I have nothing on Dynamite now because all I'm imagining is Roman Reigns version the Luther version <laughs> of Roman Reigns the tribal chief and I'm just I'm in awe of the fault so I have nothing else on Dynamite I'm sorry people it was good I think from what I can remember I think it was good Ricky Starks had a very good match with, with the Derby Allen. Should have won, but that's a different debate. Uh, Kurt Jerker, Ricky Starks. Oh, wow. Wow. We're taking shots all around. Tonight. Big show. Okay. Like, if he wants to get back to the main event level, he can come on our show, yeah. and we'll, we'll get him in the main event. But you see, he, he abandons us, and he's just he's doing curtain jerking matches. And he's losing. And he's losing. Yeah. I want to find out who calls Tony Khan TK. Uh, Aubrey Edwards. Very... Okay. <laughs> Eddie's very insulted by this. He now mentions it in every interview. He at one point will say, or, as the, the kiss ass is calling, TK, and he'll wink, or he'll just say directly, you know who you are. So I would like to know who this is, Eddie. I, apparently it's Aubrey. I don't know. Yeah, it is. I was, because I was listening to the uh, AEW podcast this morning with Miro, and Aubrey Edwards just kept calling him TK. And ever since uh, the Eddie Kingston promo, I'm like, oh, all right, well, there you go. I, I think it's a bunch of other people, too. Uh, yes. Eddie's out here. He's a shooting Joe. He's shooting. Um, yeah. Yes, yes very much. <laughs> but Aubrey Edwards is the first person that popped in my mind because I just heard her call him TK on this podcast this morning. What, what an incredible build that would be. Eddie Kingston, Aubrey Edwards. <laughs> I mean, he's time. picking on referees, so he maybe is. maybe he picks on all the referees, and Aubrey is the one who just stands up to him. And that could work. There you go. Do we still think we're going to get a lights-out match between Moxley and Eddie? Um, I don't know what they're doing at full gear with that, because they're doing the finals of this tournament now to crown a number one contender. I, I would have to imagine Omega... I feel like that finals is Omega and Hangman, right? Yeah, I would guess so. Either that or Hangman will cost Kenny in the tournament is what I, could also happen, I think. And then you get a singles match as well as a different match, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Um, could do that. But but they're doing this, this tournament. I mean, so far they only have uh, Jungle Boy, Phoenix, and, and Omega announced. Like, Omega's the front runner of those three. 
Um, I don't know what they're doing with Moxley. He's got the Archer match coming up. The Kingston stuff is seemingly where they're going for the time. Jericho's doing the MJF thing, so Cody's doing uh, the the stuff with Brody right now. There's still a lot of time. They got they still got a whole. I guess they they only have like a month. So, I, mm-hmm. I look. I I I one up you, Joe. I one up you. Okay. Kingston, Moxley, Japanese Deathmatch Legend Luther lights out headline full gear with that because Luther's taking out Jericho next week. He's doing. He's gonna make Jericho acknowledge him as the Japanese Deathmatch. You can't go down from there. You can't just go back. Oh, Serpentico on AEW Dark. You gotta you gotta keep ascending. So he's got to be in this lights out match as the Japanese Deathmatch Legend. I'm going to one-up you again. There's only one stipulation for a main event triple threat match between three hardcore legends, and that is, my friend, the ready-to-rumble <laughs> triple cage cage match. Look at this That's segue. The, Look at this. Look at We're this segue. Now, you know, people don't <laughs> believe it, but we are pros at this now. Even if the show may remain bad, how much better are we? Now, give us <laughs> 10 years. This may be a good show. You never do know. Um, our retro review this week is the Triple Cage match from WCW Slamboree yep. 2000 featuring David Arquette, Jeff Jarrett, and Diamond Alice Page. We pivoted. If you were like, where's the monster truck talk? Watch product, folks. If you watch the Ready to Rumble review, you would you would see that we, we did the big swerve there and we pivoted to the Triple Cage match. Um, <laughs> they did this match legitimately just because of Ready to Rumble. And look... You you heard how much I loved Ready to Rumble on Tuesday. They sold me. I can't remember the last time I'd recall I'd ordered a WCW pay per view before this event when they said Triple Cage and they were bringing this to an actual WCW pay per view. I was like sold. I'm buying this event. You, okay. you have my money, WCW. So I'm about to say something that may be a hot take. I don't know because I can't remember what matches we've done. I think this is the best match. We've reviewed as the retro match. Like, Better than that did. random Alexa and Sasha match on Raw that I didn't watch. No, but I forget that we did that. That doesn't count. Okay, here's the thing with this, and I have gripes. This is not a bad wrestling match. No, that's fine. And the idea and the notion, and I'm not trying to get a DDP yoga sponsorship here, but the notion that in 2000 there were wrestlers in the industry that were like, how good is that DDP guy? He has to lay his matches out while having worse matches than him on every single show is amazing. Because what stands out when you watch this, Jeremy, is, oh, DDP has ideas of things they could do in this cage. God bless him. He plotted some stuff, and it's not a bad match. I like it. With that being said, as I watch Jeff Jarrett talk to Mean Gene, and I have no quotes, I shall have a take off. Is this like the worst top guy for a big promotion considering what else is out there in the history of wrestling. I know I like Jeff Jarrett, but he's horrifically bad at this time. And on the other channel, Dwayne Johnson is fighting Steve Austin <laughs> and Triple H and The Undertaker and Kane and Kurt Angle and Chris Jericho. And meanwhile, here he is talking about slap nuts and all this good stuff. It's very sad. He's yes, telling what, he's telling Oakland to choke on things. Yes, I did watch the yes. Jeff Jarrett promo. I didn't have a very, quote from it either. But <laughs> it, was, it was very bad, wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't good at all. Remember when... We're just going completely off topic. Remember when WCW turned Juventud Guerrera into The Rock? Yes. The juice. The juicy juice. Yes. That was much better. We should have watched that. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't realise that this match was called the Ready to Rumble Cage. Yeah. And I think that is glorious. I love that it's that on the nose. I Do you know the middle layer of this cage? Do you know what that was called? Hardcore hell, right? Yeah, hardcore. They made sure to mention that once or yeah. 50 times. What I love is that when you watch the original WCW shows from when Buffer's in, they're kind of cool because, like, Flair is a genius at making wrestling feel sport. Right, he's very much captured like the heavyweight champ deal. So you watch these old like you know, Ric Flair versus Vader, and Buff will be on the on the uh, microphone. It's like man, this is a cool moment. You know, let's get rid of Rumble, and here he is introducing David Arquette, and it could not be further away. <laughs> World champion David deal. Arquette at that. Yes. So I'm sure someone out there is listening to this and thinking, I don't know what the triple cage is, folks. Help me. How does one win a triple cage? I will point you to. Tony Schiavone's very simple explanation, which goes as follows. The object is to battle through the first cage using a stepladder, up to the second cage, which is the hardcore cage, into the final cage, which is the guitar cage, actually called the guitar cage, (laughs) up through that third cage and grab the world title belt, which is hooked above the third cage. Simple, right? It's very simple. You know, there's a guitar cage, hardcore hell. He should yes. have just used uh, Titus Sinclair's explanation from <laughs> from Ready to Rumble. The belt is on at the top of the arena, and the only way to get there is to climb a cage, which is on top of another cage, which is on top of another cage. That was that was the explanation in Ready to Rumble. In fairness, this is like one of my favorite little running deals with WCW. Is like War Games, I would say, is a pretty simple match. And when they would do a war game match, they would have like eight slides of information about what the match is. Like, and then the cage door closes, and then two men enter, and then another man enters. It, it was it was bonkers every time they did that. So I have no issue. Um, Jeff Jarrett is introduced as he is the man on a mission here to regain the championship. He is the man with the stroke. He is the chosen one. To which I ask you, is that the best introduction for someone undeserving of it in the history of professional wrestling? <laughs> Again, I like Jeff Jarrett. Just saying. Um, I I don't know. There's probably there's probably worse. There's got to be indie wrestler bits. Who I guess it's all just a bit of a. Yes, this was not a bit. Yeah, this this... was very much very on. This was like he's the chosen one. He's here on a mission. Take him seriously. Um, I'm just trying to be kind to Jeff Jarrett. You're you're burying this poor man. I like Jeff Jarrett, but unfortunately, you keep saying that like I like Jeff Jarrett, and then you just take shots at him. So I don't think. That's not how this works, well, Joseph. There's elements to Jeff Jarrett I like, but unfortunately, this particular portion of his career is all of the bad elements. I did say he's the best match review, Jeff, so don't get mad at me. It's fine. <laughs> we have an interesting dynamic here early, Jeremy, right, where Arquette is like running away like a heel manager, and DDP is like protecting Arquette from Jeff, who is the actual heel, and he's being beaten up by the babyface who's protecting the babyface coward. Uh, this is very WCW 2000, but it's fine. Jeff and DDP have a fine match and sometimes insert David Arquette. <laughs> is the way to sum this up. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Okay. Um, t- Tony Schiavone doesn't understand how films are made <laughs> and suggests that not only did DDP and David Arquette become great friends, they lived in that free that free tier cage. They lived in it. It's his exact quote. How do you not? How, how, how do you not know that they didn't live in the three tier cage? I love the. I understand what he's trying to say here, but I love the idea of one of them like, "Hey, I'm gonna stay in hardcore hell. I'll see you up there in the guitar cage. You can stay up." There. That's what I, I enjoyed about it. Um, they bleed everywhere. 
somehow these two men still cared about their jobs. I have no clue. Because no one else on these cars did, so God bless them. They were going right. after the 30 pounds of gold. Yes. True. Direct quote. <laughs> um, and then, 10 minutes into the match, after the rules have been explained in painful detail, Mark Madden suddenly snaps into motion and says, and I quote, One thing we should point out, this may be a triple cage, but really, there's four levels. You have to get on top of the third cage to get the belt. Mark, we're fully aware of that. <laughs> like, I appreciate that he wasn't paying a lot of attention, but if there's one thing <laughs> Tony Schiavone ensured, I knew, it was that they had to get the cage. They had to get to the top of the cage in order to get the belt. But I appreciate that Mark, this finally clicked for him as he watched the heat segment. He stared at it. He said, oh my, there's four. Actually, four levels. So good on Mark for paying attention. Um... They do like full ladder teasers, don't they? Like they do this yes. for, and all it is for is to get to the, the hardcore. <laughs> right, to get to the hardcore hell. Okay, it sounds like I hate this, but I honestly don't. It's fine. There's the visual where the wall breaks in in the hardcore hell is actually cool. Would you agree? Yeah, that was an actual cool one. Tony um, Schiavone was very freaked out. He thought the whole yes. cage was about to collapse yes. once uh, the the wall broke here as well. It's, and it sparks Mark Madden to ask. Do you draw the line and not do this, or is this the time where you fling a man off the side of the cage? To which Tony Schiavone replies, "Don't like." I think that sometimes you just forget where you are. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think Tony forgot where he was during this? I think that was direct insight into Tony's mindset during these shows. Sometimes he just forgot where he was. He would hear Mark Madden repeating the rules and think, "Am I actually here? Is this an imagination of mine?" But yes, uh, Arquette begins to climb, and they may as well have dropped a flat banner from the scene that says, he'll turn alert. You know, DDP <laughs> gives him a guitar. Mike Awesome shows up just to get Diamond Cars. Yes. Which was very on brand for Mike's uh, time in WCW. Bless him. Um, I will say this, though, and this is the problem here, right? Like, as much as this seems awful contrived, if you don't know the finishes, Arquette turns heel, of course. On, Ultimate on DDP. Yeah, almost swerve. Hits him with a guitar. I have to say this. The audience goes berserk when Arquette is climbing the cage. They then get even more insane when DDP and Jeff are doing a race to the guitar cage, which is an incredible sentence in itself. And then when Arquette turns, it's like pandemonium for like 15 seconds. I have no clue how. What? Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean you have no clue how? David Arquette, one of the biggest stars in the business, should have won an Oscar headlined ready to rumble married to courtney cox it was on some show that people have heard of i don't recall the name of it david arquette's a big deal okay so the the fans are invested into this david arquette uh diamond dallas page relationship as well that the relationship also these two men live together in this triple cage cage. all right they they were bunking in this triple cage for months so the fans are they could not believe that arquette would have the audacity to turn his back on Diamond Dallas Page. What's amazing is the first half of what you said there is almost directly what Mark Madden does. Right? He does the <laughs> spiel about... So what happens is Arquette turns and the announcer booth, Hudson just begins to scream no, which is amazing <laughs> for many reasons because Hudson always is like so stilted because he doesn't actually care, of course, why would he? So he's screaming no and Shivani appears to just vanish for about... 20 seconds, you don't hear anything from Tony. And I assume this is him preparing himself and trying to build the courage to actually ask what's going on here. Right? So what, then what happens is what you just did, the exact bit you just did, Madden does. He's like, he's the best actor ever. 
Courtney Cox does the whole spiel. And I'm looking at the time left in the show, and there is 50 seconds left. Canyon <laughs> still not arrived. 50 seconds. Canyon appears, throws one punch, gets beaten up, and launched off of the first tier. Right? Yeah, was on top of the first cage, yeah. Literally, this all happens in the final minute of the program. Yeah. So, Russo here, bless him, he has managed to take the heat away from his own swerve by doing a full-on stump bump, like, out of, out of absolutely nowhere. The crowd is suddenly, no one cares about Arquette and Jeff Jarrett. They're like, oh my god, what just happened to Canyon? I know that there's, like, real kind of, um, this got real controversy, right? Because this was the yeah. arena where we were in, and that sucks. I don't think that anyone intended for that to be, like, you know, a part of the, the fault. But, taking that totally away, you do not follow a heel turn up with a man being launched. <laughs> so let me let me pose let me pose this idea to you, Joseph. Okay. Let me pose this to you. Mike Awesome comes out, as you said, he just kind of gets diamond cut. What if Mike Awesome he doesn't get diamond cut? He actually gets one over on Page. It's it's a beat down. Canyon comes out. He he saves Page, but then Awesome tosses him off during the match. Then Awesome gets diamond cut. Then you just go to the finish. Is that better or worse than what they did? I think it's equally bad. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I'm not sure. You don't. You don't think that like the David it's Arquette better. heel turn, Jeff Jarrett yeah. winning the title, just completely overshadows a man that just fell and has a broken back, as explained by Tony Schiavone. <clears throat> is better or worse than the man falling and having a broken back overshadowing the the heel turn and the world title? I would rather have done the stunt bump with like 10 minutes left of the match if I had to do it. And then I could let people recover from poor Canyon breaking his back and then swerve them again. I, guess <laughs> would be the idea. I don't know. Uh, you are correct. The quote is, oh my God, God, we need help. He broke his back. Tony, quick on the diagnosis. He's, like, <laughs> he's seen it before. He says, bro, his back is gone. Finish. <laughs> He can't believe we're going off the air this way. Um, it's it's truly something. I, I will say this match, as a match, is fine. And they do as good a job as they possibly can. Jeff and DDP. Poor Arquette is in it, and he's doing what he can. But the idea that they looked at everything they had here, including three cages and David Arquette doing a heel turn and said, we need a little bit more here, I feel. We need something else. I mean... <laughs> That kind of captures it. But for WCW, think, 2000, here's the thing. I think good. when you, I think when you have the three cage kind of thing, and look, everyone saw the movie. I, I assume right. not only everyone watching this pay per view, not only everyone in the audience, everyone in the world, yes, yes, everyone in the world saw this movie. They saw Diamond Dallas Page fall from the top tier in the movie down through three three True. roofs and into the ring and. and you know, it was fine. He got up. He walked away with some help. But they saw that. They needed something that could be similar to that. So I think they needed some type of stunt bump for this. You're probably right, to be honest. Like, I'm trying to imagine your mindset when ordering the show. Like, the <laughs> WCW 2000 crowd at this point, like, they, went, they were after a stunt bump. I agree with you. This is actually, I would suggest that in the whole grand landscape of bad things that happened that year, in WCW, this is actually probably on like the good side of that scale. Are you so, defending no Vince Russo putting the title on David Arquette? That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, that is, 
100 percent what I intended to say. Thank you for clearing that up, Jeremy. Yes, that's what I was doing. Vince is he is he the, he's the doing celebration the, job, right? the celebration he's having right now. He he was very disappointed after Tuesday when I praised Ready to Rumble and would not go full marks on being like, yeah, that Arquette decision that was the right call. He was very I got I got very nasty DMs from him. He's like, what are we doing here? And I said, don't worry, let it play out, brother. Let it play out. I got something. I got the swerve planned for you. And now he's watching this. He's like, I knew it. I knew I could trust these guys to defend me. They they swerved me. They swerved the swerve master. Was, but he's doing, doing the pump here? right now. Is that a, is that a Russoism? Well, it was it was very it was incredible. You like freelanced a quote for him there. What are we doing here? Yeah, is that Russo? No, that's strong. That's fine. I thought you I thought you was going full sharp for a second. Anyway, nonetheless. <laughs> We have a big topic. We've saved the main event. Wait, 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 wait. I mean, we have oh, no. more topics. What are we watching next week? Are we doing Monster Trucks? Oh, yes. I thought I was established. My, okay. my apologies. All yes. Right. So it's October now, right? Yeah. So I think this is not me requesting anything, Jeremy. I'm just saying. I think we should try to do a month of Havoc matches. Personally. Oh, you really okay. want the the electrified cage yes. match? Yeah, exactly. I do too. So, okay. We're okay. on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> there's many Halloween Havoc yeah. games. Um, there's the one where there's a fake sting, which I would like to find too, which I forget. It's him and Sid, I believe. Okay. Which is very fun also. So we'll do that um, next week. We're going to do the monster and the match itself because I like to see the Yeti. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. All right. Um, main event. I mean, we have something after the main event. We have, we have a lights out match. We have a lights out match. Yes. Um, all right. Main event. Joseph, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> because Denise Salcedo uh, retweeted a, a tweet of mine that said, if she retweets this, Joseph will review this Taylor Swift performance. You did it of, mm. of Betty at the AMC Awards. You liked the song. Yes. On the show a couple weeks ago, I said, well, why don't you review the trilogy? She did three songs. It's different perspectives. It's August, it's Betty, and it's Cardigan. I sent you the songs. You listen to them. What do you have to say about this uh, epic trilogy? So I have many takes. I think Betty is the best song of the three. Okay, that's my opinion. I agree. Both sonically and in terms of content, Jeremy. I'm going with Betty as number one here. In my mind, Cardigan and Betty are like pivotal to each other. If you listen to them, in, you know, like if you listen to Betty after listening to Cardigan, it makes Betty much better, I think. I look at August as a slight spin-off almost. Because August, the character in August is much more... Um, She's a part of the story, but she's less pivotal to me in terms of perspective. That's just me. Okay, it's also my least favorite song in terms of sound. So, this map things out. Jeremy, I know you're the expert here. So please step in whenever I'm out of bounds. But Cardigan is sung as Betty, correct? Yes. Um, and there's a lot. There's a lot of nice contrast between that and Betty, and I'll get into those as we get to Betty later. But but this really is about um, sort of uh, be, giving hope. By young love, uh, the assumption that you know nothing, you are naive, um, and eventually poor Betty is cheated on, which is very, very sad. Uh, she is aware that it will scar her, but she's also aware that he will come back eventually, which we will get to later. Jeremy, anything else to add on the opening of this trilogy? Cardigan. No, you nailed it with Cardigan. C- continue. Okay. August, the reason I see this as a spin-off is I think it's the least impactful in terms of sound. But it's a nice kind of a nostalgic sort of glory day summer love deal. And this, of course, is 
the young lady that the affair was with, right? Because he said, you know, he was never hers. It slipped away. It was sort of inconsequential to, what's the gentleman's name? James. It was inconsequential to James. Um, this, to me, is less pivotal in terms of the arc and with the layers. But it does add its own layer because we get a different perspective. Uh, but it is my least favourite. Basically, it's, the, it's kind of looking back at a mere romantic fling, an infatuation, dare I say, Jeremy, uh, that James had with this young lady. Your thoughts? Yeah, keep going. Okay. Finally, Betty, we did this last week, but I have more layers now. So, James is very regretful. Right? He's, he's pondering not only his apology, that'd be a simple surface level idea, but he actually, we delve deeper in, and he begins to ponder how, how Betty would react to his apology. Right? And then this builds to when he actually acts upon it. Um, there's a really cool deal here, Jeremy, where, you know the lyric in Cardigan about uh, they assume you know nothing mm-hmm. well, well James says I'm only 17 I don't know anything mm-hmm. he refuses responsibility right it's a contrast direct um, he blames the, the young lady he talks about how like he was basically had no choice in the matter almost right he's like he got lured in um, and then we end up on the porch as she expected um, yes and he acts upon his plan but we do not find out right he just sort of apologises he shows up to apologise as he as he hoped to, and after pondering how she'd react, we never find out how she did react. I assume that will be on the next project. I sure hope so, Jeremy. I would like to know what happened with Betty and James. I hope uh, we get an answer on the next album as well. But you know that that is the genius of of, of Taylor Swift is where yes. you know you can't give it all away at once. Got to make yes. make the people wait. Make it. I like your breakdown of this. I'm gonna rechange. I'm gonna rechange your name to artistic ace analyst because that okay. was that was exceptional. I, I felt that I had a responsibility with that segment. I felt <laughs> that people were expecting me to come in and be like, "Yeah, it was fine," because I didn't have a lot on B, right? And people may have been let down by that. I said, "I'm gonna dive in here. Let's go layers. Let's go art analyst, artistic ace analyst, Joseph James." And I think I did my best. I'm glad that you agree with my perception of that art, Jeremy. Very glad of that. Yeah. Do right. you think Bray Wyatt is the Taylor Swift of pro wrestling? In the <laughs> something very surface level can be made so much grander just based purely on assumption. Is that what the idea is, Jeremy? Uh, more or less, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. But then here's my question for you. Who is then Eric Rowan, Luke Harper, and Braun Strowman in the Taylor Swift universe? <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, okay, here you go. I got this, Joseph. Randy Orton is is August, essentially, right? Okay. That's the fling. That's the fling, right? right? Um, Braun... I think Bray... I think Bray is... Bray is Betty. Bray yes. is Betty. And then... I mean, Braun... Does, it doesn't make sense, because Braun wasn't really around during the whole Orton stuff. But Braun, mm. I think, is the, the biggest kind of infatuation here interesting because Harper and Rowan both split away and then come back don't they yeah remember so they they would be coming back to the porch and apologizing yeah Harper and Rowan Harper and Rowan make more sense as being James I just because they're gone now I was trying to keep it within people who are still in WWE um yes but yeah I I do think so Harper would Harper and Rowan would be James, Betty would be Bray, and Randy Orton would be August. 
exactly, yeah. <laughs> Who's Alexa going to be is the big question. Once we get to see what the layers are with the Alexa Bray thing, we can branch and have a podcast. Very exciting times ahead. <laughs> I, we could, we could, we could tell the story of Bray Wyatt through Taylor Swift lyrics. I'm pretty, pretty sure. I mean, you could, but I'll, I'll happily <laughs> join you for the adventure. I'm sure I'm fine with that. Yes, we'll do that. We're okay. not doing that. We're not doing that <laughs> at all. That sounds like hell. Um, <laughs> do you want to review the entire folklore album next, Joseph? I'll listen to it. If I here's what I'll do. I'll listen to it when I'm doing something, and I'll make notes if something like stands out to me. Okay. Okay. I'll right. do that. I'm not promising anything because this did take something out of me. I've <laughs> I dive pretty deep here. I was I was really pondering things. Um, but I take my job seriously as an artistic ace analyst, and I don't want to promise that I'll do a full album view, but I will listen to the full album uh, for greater context, understanding, and appreciation of the layers. So, okay. Yes. You you won't get all of the layers in that album because there's a lot of callbacks, Joe, and and it's oh. not a thing of she's We're not gonna she's not gonna give you the mask, okay? She's not giving you the sheet mask to put on yeah. and and all that stuff. You gotta you gotta really know to know. Okay. It's like back in the olden days, Jeremy, when a, a new fan would be like, I just watched Tanahashi Okada. I thought it was just fine. And we'd be like, you have to watch the first 35 matches to really appreciate it. <laughs> Do you ever think about watching the first 100 matches I had to really get it? It's like that, basically. That's fine. Yeah, you've got you to gotta listen to literally the first song she ever did all the way to this one to, to get all the Tough layers it. and the folklore yeah. all right maybe maybe in like a year i'll have that covered we'll <laughs> see i'll try and steadily work on that that sounds fun. <laughs> all right uh we've only got like 12 minutes we actually did a lot of wrestling today amazingly um we did i mean we have as long as we want but i like to keep the shows to a certain length basketball the sixers hired doc rivers what are your thoughts hang on it's calm down <laughs> calm, no no, no. Calm this show down. this show will air five hours from now Within this time frame, the Sixers will have hired Doc Rivers. Okay, seriously, production meeting taking place on air now. Have I said anything terrible about Doc Rivers on this show? I haven't, right? I don't think so, no. We, 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 mainly, uh, we mainly threw daggers at Paul George and a little bit at Kawhi Leonard. Not, not so much Doc Rivers. Probably well, deserved him. What I'm about him, to say but... is going to like, produce great insight into where I'm at right now. Doc Rivers is the best option for us. Like, I, I'm, I'm Over D'Antoni. Here's my thing, okay? In terms of my interest, D'Antoni's number one. Because I just think it would be weird and fun to see. And I also think it's like a guarantee they make crazy trades. However, I am almost certain that it would be the end of the Embiid deal. Like, I just can't see it. I think Doc is the best option of a coach that I'm aware of, because I don't know you know, who's like underneath as the assistant and stuff. I can't judge that. But the coaches we're aware of that are available, I would suggest he's the best option to take the roster almost exactly as it is with like a couple changes and make them a competent team. I also get the sense that Doc would do a better job of like, maybe not in like spotlighting them on the court, but just keeping Simmons and Embiid in check. Whereas I sense with D'Antoni, that could get a little bit out of hand too. So I would suggest that if when this airs, Doc Rivers is the new 76ers coach, there will be no grimace here at Holbert headquarters. I am ready to grin. I'm ready to embrace Doc. He seems like a nice man. He has that funny voice. And I'm ready <laughs> to get on board the, the Rivers. Uh, the issue is, though, Jeremy, is the Sixers local announcer refuses to call him Doc because there's only one doctor in Philadelphia. 
And that could be an incredible plot point if he becomes the new full-time head coach of our team. <laughs> so that's the only... I think it makes sense, genuinely, I do. Um, do, do you think it hurts the, the Chris Paul trade? I don't know if Chris Paul wants to play yes, for Doc it Rivers. does. Okay. Let's be honest, man. We're going to trade Hallford and Matisse for like Buddy Hield and convince ourselves we're now like a championship team. We're not getting Chris Paul. That's too fun. We're going to do something like that. It'll be better... Doc will shout a lot. Uh, he'll call Embiid fat. We'll celebrate. 75 wins championship. Come at us. I do think Doc... I think Doc is a good coach. Uh, what he did in in the Clippers, with the Clippers, not the best reflection on him. <laughs> like He had a lot of talented teams. Couldn't get out of the first round a lot of times. Blew multiple 3-1 leads. Just not great. Uh, for for Doc Rivers, I do think he is a very good leader. Uh, even if sometimes X's and O's, see, this is the problem. His X's and O's, his rotations. I mean, right. he was hell bent on playing Montrez Harrell instead of Zubac in, in that Nuggets series, and it completely killed them. Um, I think as a leader, he is good, and I think kind of for Philadelphia right now, they almost need better leadership than they mm-hmm. need. Uh, X's and O's and rotation stuff. Yeah, I agree. And also, the other kind of X factor deal, which I mean, you shouldn't have to take into account, but you do, is like Tobias Harris' best basketball was played under Doc, right? Yeah. Like he actually had Tobias handling the ball and shooting some threes. So, but the truth is, we're not trading Tobias anytime soon. Like he's here. We can't. You can't just sort of ignore him. So that way, that helps too. He feels like a better fit for Embiid than Tony did. I think he'll help Simmons, the floor general. Like, I think, look, is it like the kind of announcement where you're going to be like, oh my God, we've got Doc, thank the Lord. No, it's not. Why, right? but why, aren't the, why aren't the Sixers, so look, the Lakers are about to win the championship. I just assume they're going to sweep at this point. Mm. Um, the other team is Miami, another very good team. Why isn't Tobias Harris the LeBron Butler, Embiid is the Davis slash Adebayo, and then you've got Ben Simmons, who's better than Kyle, whoever the third player is on the next team. All right, I guess Ben Simmons. That's that's unfair to Ben. Ben Simmons can be the LeBron Butler. Uh, okay. I mean, that's a better comparison. I don't know why I went Tobias Harris. Uh, Embiid is is the big, and then Tobias Harris is a better third guy than all. Why isn't this team winning the title, Joseph? Well, I know that you're like you're doing a half bit here. I understand that. <laughs> But I do think that the East is still wide open. And I think the Heat is a good example of that. Yes. We agreed they're super well coached. Butler's very good. Bam's become a monster. But, like, it's wide open. It's not like, as much as the Sixers' contracts suck, it's not like that team's like an unfathomable East winner. It's just they looked at it this year because they sucked, right? Like, even... I think Brett's a fine coach. I'm not dunking on Brett, but sometimes you just need the new coach like Joel, right? You need the new voice. It can help a lot. I do think in my most optimistic universe, there's a world in which just finally having a new voice in there, like they look like the team people thought they'd be a year ago. Does that make sense? Like, I do no, think I agree. That. I think Hallford's going to be tough, but I also wouldn't, this may sound silly, but I wouldn't do the deal where it's like, this just trade Hallford for no one. <laughs> <laughs> Hallford's a luxury as backup centre, but it's still something. So I think there's a world in which the team's good. It just didn't exist this year. And I'm not sure Doc's the answer. But when I look at who's out there, it's like, 
it seems like Doc's the obvious fit to me. I've got to be honest. That's where I'm at right now, which may be very sad. I'm not sure. That's where I'm at. I think having a different voice in there will certainly help. Again, I think Doc Rivers, he's at least going to go in there. People respect Doc. He He's going to get everyone kind of in line. The He might be just as frustrating with his coaching decisions on the court, but it seemed like with the Brett Brown stuff, he did not have control of the locker room. Exactly. And, yeah. and Doc will certainly, he'll have control of the locker room. Yeah, and that was my fear with D'Antoni, is like I just could see a world in which he came in and was just like even more chill and blase with the guys. And that's, I don't think that's what Joe and uh, Ben need. So I'm almost alarmingly excited about Doc Rivers. What's happened to me? Where am I right now? We just spoke about Taylor Swift <laughs> after I praised the Triple Cage match, and now I'm saying I'm pro Doc Rivers. Here we are, folks. This is what this show has led me to. Very sad times. Doc Rivers is the Sixers head coach. Do you think the Lakers sweep? No, I don't. I think it'll be a five again, actually. I mean, I don't know. They could, right? If Dragic is out now, so... Do you regret yeah. that you were a coward and did not take the Lakers over the field? What was I going to win if I did take them? I was going to sing Sasha Banks' theme. Oh, no, not all. <laughs> I don't need to see you sing that song. <laughs> that would not have been a victory for me in any way. I would have just been on the clip when you inevitably tweeted it and was like, here I am. I would have just been on that clip. Not a victory for me. So, no, I do not regret it. I've been um, doing a lot but... of singing lately. I don't know why people put up with this. Um... It's, it's part of the character now, pal. Yeah. It's evolution, character development, you know? Um, I guess. I do, I do enjoy that, like, every round the Lakers have gone through, We've all kind of done the old, like, dangerous team. Got to be kept. Dame. Who's going to guard Dame? Huh? Harden. Who's going to... And then when it all is said and done and they win this, in five years we're all going to be like, yeah, that was easy. How good was those teams, right? Like, they're so inevitably going to happen. So, yeah, at, just, the, at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, they had LeBron James and Anthony Davis. We overfought it. Right. Yeah, it, That's really like, what it comes down to. As much as we, we fall in love with the role players, and what, and by the way, I must say, I do think Caldwell Pope has been better than I expect him to be in the playoffs. Like, he's actually been very serviceable, always like a free and D guy. Um, they're all just fine, but the truth is, you have a duo that good, it doesn't matter, right? Like, that's the point. And I think we all got way too caught up in all this other cool stuff, and like, the Clippers have two sick man of the year contenders. Like, it, mean, it meant nothing in the end. So... Like, without getting ahead of myself, because I want to make a fool of myself for sure. You've gone out on a limb. You said it's done. Yeah, it's over. I'm not saying it's done, but no. it's probably done. It's okay? over. That's the truth. It's probably over. Yes. Yeah, it's over. All right, everybody. Um, I have so much to plug. Saturday. Saturday is the TEW draft, the debut of our new universe. Uh, the draft episode has been taped. It'll be up. I'm working on getting a... Uh, getting a graphic for that. The, the Fightful Graphics team is, is putting that together. So the name of the promotion is... What is it, Joe? Booty, BP-Dub. Yeah, Booty Pro Wrestling. BP-Dub. Uh, I've told the graphical team I want the O's and Booty to be butt cheeks. So that's all I want out of the graphic. Yes. We're going. Oh, so I didn't realize you were going that far with the graphics. Because so, I have used... Oh, this is off, this is off air talk. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But yes, that is going to be quite the project. So. All right. So that's Saturday. That'll be the draft. Uh, we hope to do a live stream, first episode, first booking episode, maybe next Friday. We'll see what, what Joseph's mm-hmm. schedule is like. So that's next Friday. Uh, Friday night, I'm streaming SmackDown vs. Raw 2009 after the SmackDown post show. So if anybody wants to watch me and uh, Joel Pearl play that, you can. Uh, are you trying to recall which game that was? 
I'm very confused that this is the thing you're doing. I'm, I'm excited for you. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm very confused that I'm allowed to do this shit as well. Are you kidding me? Is this a good game? Is it a good SmackDown vs. Raw game? Uh, yeah, I think. I don't know. I haven't played it in forever, but we're going to play it. What is the one with Bobby Lashley on the cover? Do you know the answer to that question? No. I do not. This is the okay. one with, I think, Michaels and Triple H on the cover. Oh, God. <laughs> so we're, I'm doing that on Friday. Uh, Saturday, I'm streaming with Brian Rose of uh, Wrestling Observer. I don't know what we're playing, but we're going to stream. Sunday, I'm doing the post-takeover show with Phil Lindsay. Uh, so me and Phil are going to be um, reviewing TakeOver. I don't have no idea what's on that show. NXT is banned. Hopefully, it's a good show. Uh, next Tuesday, we're reviewing a movie with Dolph Ziggler and Rusev. Here's the big announcement, folks. Next Thursday, <laughs> the distraction comes at you live at 6 p.m. Eastern. Usually, the show goes up at 7 p.m. Eastern. We're going. We're going forward an hour. What are you pointing to yourself for? I'm not. I'm. I'm oh, isn't it? Okay. There was no point. Yeah, you were no pointing to between, yourself. All there right. was no gap between the finger and eye. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we're going live. At 6 p.m. Eastern Time for the Distraction Draft Special. All right? Four brands. <laughs> Four people. Myself, Joseph Holbert, from CBS Sports, Jack Crosby, friend of the show, been on, been on before. From the Robert O'Neill section of Twitter, Robert O'Neill is, is the fourth person on this. We're all going to be wearing hats. We're going to just be drafting WWE superstars, creating our own little universe here. If you've ever seen, I'm pretty sure this was the uh, the, the basis for Joseph's idea, one of the 5 a.m. text messages. Yes. Uh, if you've ever seen Inside the NBA at the like All-Star break, they do like, hey, all-time draft, and everybody's available, and Charles Barkley just picks like Allen Iverson. <laughs> And when Michael Jordan and all these other people on the board, he's like, Allen Iverson, that's who I'm going with. I think that that was the crux of the idea, right? Yes, it is an all-time, though, right? Right, it's today. Yeah, the folks are on the board um, next week. Uh, It's something I hope, and this is a big hope, because this could be a terrible show, I don't know. (laughs) I would like for it to become like a marking moment in the distraction calendar. I think it could be fun. Um, If you don't know who Robert O'Neill is... You either don't have Twitter, or you follow him and are friends with him, or most likely you have blocked him because he's an unbearable Twitter presence. That's who we're bringing on the show. I couldn't responsibly bring him on as an actual guest. However, him as a draft head, I felt was a good fit. So he is on, and I want to make this clear to Robert now. Robert, if you're watching this show, you cannot pick Brock Lesnar. He is not under contract. He's a free agent. He's fighting for the pure title next week. Sorry for the spoiler. Okay? So I want to make it clear now. If you don't like Robert O'Neill, I don't either. I don't know why he's coming on the show, but this is my idea. I'm sorry. You can pick Brock Lesnar, Robert. I don't care. No. No <laughs> Brock Lesnar. He's banned. Uh, Sean has no idea that these are our guests. He's gonna, he doesn't listen to the show. But once I tweet it out, he's going to be like, I'm going to get a DM and just be like, yes. what, what are you guys doing? What is happening here? It's on me. This one's on me. <laughs> I'm just, that's what I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to be like, uh, message Joseph. Talk to him. You're going to get fired for real. Idea. It's a very, very bad idea, but I sense this could become an all-timer. No wrestling talk. Just four men in their draft boards. Yes. Plotting away and burying each other's picks for probably 90 minutes, I would assume. I don't know how many people we're picking, what brands we're representing. None of that matters to me. But we are going to wear caps. I agree that's a good idea. So, yes, look forward to that. 
look forward to the Dolph Ziggler. No, don't even look for that. They'll be there. Watch that if you want. But look forward to the draft. The draft's going to be very exciting. The Dolph Ziggler? What is Dolph? Oh, the Dolph Ziggler Phil. movie. I thought, you were about to, I thought you were talking about Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode being uh, Banks and Bailey. I thought you calling back to a previous segment oh. we did on this show. All right, everybody. Uh, that's all for the plugs. We've gone a little bit over time. I apologize. Uh, follow Joe on Twitter. At Joel Holbrook 5. Follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Lambert 88. Uh, we're out. Joseph, the chubby chief, will be back on Saturday. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.